Hello, this is Sam Electric Ghost. We have Exoplasm on the line. Yes, hello, I'm here. Thank you. Yes, hello. So let me just do a brief intro. intro. This is Sam Electric Ghost. We interview indie artists from around the world since 2018. Okay. Uh, we're at 25,000 listeners worldwide, and we're glad to have you on the program. Yes, we are very happy to be here. So we sent you the questions, and um, we'll, we'll kind of start there, but it's interesting. I was reading your history, so... You actually had a band in the 80s called Plasma, right? Yes, that's right. Wow. So it's like you, you were into that new romantic, new wave movement. You were yes, we, yes, that's true. And uh, we went to the finals in a, a competition in Sweden and Europe won the competition and we went uh, third or fourth or something like that. That's correct. Yes, I'm a, I'm a keyboardist myself and I'm a big purveyor of um, new wave, new romantic music, you know. That whole era with the Jupiter Eights and <laughs> oh, okay, that Prophet Fives and you know, just that's whole, great. That whole time, so I'm, I'm a big purveyor of that. But it's interesting that that you were able to come back with a variation on on your original band name. Yes, yes, and we came back for like two years ago or so. So we just came together and thought we had so many ideas for songs and just doesn't we meet and. Uh, make new songs and that's what we did and we have a lot of fun doing so doing so did you find that um that the kind of new wave era has kind of come back with synth wave and trance and electronic music is that why you feel like you, it was a good time to start the band up again because there's a better reaction to that type of music now uh i mean i mean partly i mean if you don't have the energy and the will to do it it wouldn't work anyway but i think that's part of the uh, part of why we started again but I think when we meet we always do some good music so we thought what, because everybody had other bands in between mm-hmm. and then we say when the four of us meet we make such good music so we have to just meet again and that's what we did and as you said this kind of music is uh, coming up again in the world and the indie rock and so on so that was a good time to, to come have back. a reunion yeah. to come back yes yeah, so, so when did you first get into music? That's our base question, because you've been in the business a while, but when did you first get into it as a, as a, as a musician? Like what uh, I was like 14 years when I started, and I played in some punk rock bands, and then it was like Bad Time, like Joy Division, Cure, and some oh, bands yeah. I played reggae, hard rock, uh, pop, rock, I think most of, most of the music, even jazz at times. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's how it so started. Inspired, yeah. So you inspired Joy Division is a big draw for me as well, and you know how they became New Order. But that I I still listen to uh, you know Joy Division like I mean, almost daily. <laughs> yeah, I like I like them, and actually uh, I might because we had a band called Baxter Pat, and uh, we we made some songs in the eighties, and maybe we'll we we'll record them again because. There's mm-hmm. some few lines there that's very good and some tunes that we really like. So, yeah, so maybe I will have a second band as well. I don't know. Yeah, I like the kind of sparseness of that, of that sound. It's kind of like craft work meets punk. The kind of edge. I mean, when they became New Order, it became like New Romantic and New Wave, and I, and I appreciate that. But there's something about the kind of punk aesthetic and the kind of, uh, I don't know, the craft work kind of nature of it. There's just a dark, darker vibe to it that's a little kind of, Pre, pre, a preview of what ended up happening with the patch mode, but but a little bit darker, a little more punk. Yeah, that that's correct. So, but I like many kinds of music, but that was the kind of music I started to play. You started with, yeah. yeah. So you had that the edge there with that kind of feel. So, so what what instrument do you actually play in the band? I play the bass guitar. Bass guitar. Yeah, that's a big part of the new wave. A lot of people like talk about the synths, but you know, bass and guitar was pretty heavy in new romantic, new wave music. Yeah. And some people, you know, you go back and listen to Duran Duran, you listen to, you know, like New Order. And like, it's not all synth. You know, there's a lot of guitar. There's a lot of bass. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Simple Minds as well in Japan. Yeah. Those yeah. bands, the bass guitar is quite, I mean, the rhythm section is quite important in, in those bands. Yeah. It's a, it's a big thing. So how do you guys work? Like the, the the old new romantic was heavy drum machine, you know they like Lynn drums and uh, you know eight oh eights and nine oh nines, but 
but there's also been there was always you know live drumming and bands like Simple Mind they had live drummers they didn't just have drum machines no um so do you guys like integrate that electronic vibe into your uh, no actually we like the real drums because our drummer is very good I mean. He's very skilled mm-hmm. and has a lot of nice ideas how to make it sound very good. So I think, no, we so far, no. Maybe we will do that in the future in some parts. But uh, maybe it, some songs maybe call for using like an 808. But yeah, I, I mean, for, in one of our songs, he played Cayune, for example, and that's mm-hmm. not the uh, real drums, but it's a rhythm uh, instrument, and that's very yeah. cool. So we're open to other. Uh, uh, other sound, yeah, but 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 so far, no. So, so you realized early that you were into that kind of Joey Division new romantic sound. When did you realize that you actually had a talent for playing the bass? That you know, why did you pick the bass? Because a lot of people they go to guitar or piano. What made you go to the bass? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, I think first, uh, that no one wanted to play the bass guitar. So, when I was 14, I just picked the bass and played. But uh, later on, I, I, because I really like rhythms, drums and bass, mm-hmm. I can just listen to drums, drums and bass in many songs. So I, I just like, I would say I play bass in a different way. I'm not a traditional bass player because I okay. like to do some melodies on the bass as well. So I play a bit different. Maybe a lot of bass guitarists would say I can't play bass, but I think it's nice to uh, use so it in a different play. way. <laughs> So you kind of played lead bass like Entrosso from The Who. He was kind of known for not doing a traditional bass playing. He would play lead bass or melodic bass, yeah. you know, throughout The Who songs. If you listen to him, he's not doing what typical bass players play. No. He's, he, he's doing more of a melodic lead. Yeah, that's correct. And it's, it's quite obvious in our latest song, Stuck, because actually we use the same shorts in the, in the whole uh, song. And, and in the outro... I play a bass line, which I uh, found out like 25 years ago. And I just love that bass line. And I didn't know what to do with it. And all of a sudden, we found a song it. and it just fits in that song. And that's only the outro. Do you find that you go back, you know, having been in a business a while, do you kind of farm your, your, old, uh, your, your, your old songs or pull bits from previous projects and figure out that they actually work in other projects? Or do you tend to like write at the moment i mean actually uh, both yes and no i mean some parts i just remember but a lot of bass lines i just uh, find in my head when i'm out walking actually uh, me and the drummer we were playing with some uh, guitarist uh, one year ago or two years ago and then when i took the bike home i just found a song in my head and and then i told the guys we just have to play this and all of a sudden we had a song so Many bass lines, I just uh, find them when I'm walking or showering or bicycling. Mm-hmm. So not when I play, actually. A- mm. And then I try to record them so I can remember it. And sometimes the guys say, oh, it sounds terrible. And sometimes we can <laughs> use it to something. Do you find that when you work with your drummer, do you, do you radically shift what you wrote? Or do you kind of, it, it, the drummer shifts to you? Uh, I mean, I would say he's very good at... Uh, adapting to what I'm playing. Sometimes I adapt to him, of course, and some, we all have to adapt in the band. Yeah, so it yeah, sounds yeah. really good because I would say our both guitarists, they are, very, they are very good musicians. They really know how to, know how, know, know um, how things should, uh, uh, the sound. You got a feel. Yeah, yeah. You got a feel yeah. for it, yeah. So I would say the drummer adapt more to me than the other way, but I think that's because he's more skilled than me. But but he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. That's what I always liked about you know I, I I tend to do a lot of stuff with as a solo artist with like you know as a solo electronic artist I got this big stack of keyboards and synthesizers and drum machines. But anytime I I take what I wrote on a drum machine I bring it to a drummer, they just totally you know blow me away because you know a drummer a real drummer can always blow away a machine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always kind of you know defer to what. The, the the musician that I'm working with, like if I play, I'm a keyboard, so if I play with a bass player, I write a bass part on my keyboard, but I'm going to defer to the interpretation of that bass player. Um, but usually because they take what I wrote and they, and they make it better. Yeah. And that's why 
find as a keyboardist, I'm always trying to emulate other instruments. But when I get to like the guitar part or the chord arrangement, I give it to a guitar player. They always like end up taking it and then, you know, doing something that maybe I didn't think about. And that's, that's the nature of working with a band. So is that what happens when you guys come together? Everybody kind of molds to what the service, the song maybe is kind of the idea. Yeah. And, and actually uh, one of our songs, Time of Our Lives, um, our guitarist, he had some very nice shorts. And I worked with the shorts to get a rhythm in it. And that rhythm was catched up with the drummer. He really made it feel like it was like a song. And then our singer made a very nice tune to it and so on. So it has a very long story how we interconnect with each other. Because I had nothing to do because we were working in the studio with some songs. And I can do nothing in the studio. So um, that's a good example of, of him catching up a very nice rhythm in the bass line. And it's like, you can just listen to the drums in that song and they are amazing. Or just listen to the guitar and it's amazing and so on. So, and that, that's a good song. When you can listen to one instrument and it's just amazing. Whatever kind of instrument it is. So the, when you guys write, do you typically have a group session? Or does somebody come with like a demo and then you kind of interpret it kind of separately in the studio? Or do you kind of work together as a band? I mean... I would say we work as a band, but usually uh, our guitar came up with... Uh, actually, sometimes we start with the bass line. The song starts mm -hmm. with the bass line, and then we work from there. But I would say all of our songs are... We, we make them together. Everybody, all four of us, has uh, an impact on the song in different ways. Some songs more, some less, of course. But, so I would say we make the songs together, but it's not like we are jamming and then we have a song... Maybe we will do some songs like that, but I would say some hasn't. Some of us have an idea, and then we work around okay. that idea. So, like in a lot of bands, like I've seen, you know, documentaries on bands where everybody had their own home studio, and I, I was watching like a documentary on YouTube, and like the Edge has his own elaborate home studio. He'd bring these four-track recordings he did on like a Fostex, yeah, you know, and he'd bring it in, and you know, Brian Eno is there, and. And, uh, you know, everybody else is there and they kind of interpret what, what Edge's demo was, but then re, you know, re, replay everything and then basically change up the whole thing. But he would come with like a, a complete thought. And Townsend was famous for bringing really complete demos to the hook. Yeah. And then, it, you know, Entwistle and Moon would just totally change it because their rhythm section was so much better than what Pete could do. It, that would, that's what made the hook. So it was like yeah. kind of like your band. Everybody kind of makes makes that makes exoplasm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true, and that that makes a sound that's typical for us. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So, so your influences, like I read, like Coldplay, Simple Minds, and that kind of new wave, new romantic. What, what's it about like that that kind of new romantic '80s sound that you really dig? What was what was about what what really kind of got got you into that sound? I mean, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it depends on who you ask, but if you ask me, it's the rhythm. I mean, the rhythm in the drums and uh, uh, Mel Gaynor and, and Derek Forbes in Simple Minds together, or Japan, when they play, yeah. I mean, together with very nice harmonies on the guitar and the synthesizer. That's, that's the main thing. But of course, we also like a lot of uh, new bands like Imagine Dragons, Arctic Monkeys, Black Keys, and and uh, yeah, you know, Muse and yeah. all these. So, so I like all kinds of music, but I would say very nice and cool rhythms together with uh, awesome harmonies. That, that's what I like most. And, and I would say Simple Minds were my, that was my favorite band in the 80s. They, they really got it all. That's interesting today because a lot of bands today, I mean, you do have Coldplay, you do have you know some of the more the bands you just name checked, but that kind of error of that kind of songwriting you don't typically hear in in the, today's music. Um, it's starting to come back with bands like you. I, I've been talking to you know bands in the last two years, and it seems like more uh, bands are trying to write in the way that bands used to write in that time period, which was very rhythm based, very melodic. And you have these synthesizers, these polyphonic synthesizers, yeah. which is like the hallmark of the eighties, like the Jupiter eight and the Prophet five and the Oberheims. They allowed people to take not just what was done in the seventies, like with Emerson, Lake and Palmer with the Moog, Moog, you know, lead 
lines that you would get back in Yes and stuff, they started getting these pads. And you started getting these very, you know, interesting uses of, of, of melody and chord arrangements on keyboards that maybe yeah. like you heard with the doors, that was on like on, on Hammond B3s and Wurlitzers, but you actually hear it with all these different tones. And it, I think that's what kind of gave it a, a different color. Yeah. So, so, so the color to the songs are very uh, interesting too in the 80s music, I would say. But, but, uh, but we try to not play like 80s music. It's inspired by the 80s, but we try yeah, to yeah, do yeah. some modern, like indie rock. Modern, yeah. Modern yeah. 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 With a modern yeah you sound. still have that. Yeah, you have the full sound of it. I guess I would say like the synth wave is not exactly new wave. It's like, it's this new kind of synth pop or, or just modern. I mean, I don't want to call it modern rock or indie rock. But it seems to be it's like it's electro kind of influence from that time period. That, that new romantic vibe. It's not that you're trying to be the cure, you're trying to be uh one of these older bands that you actually are inspired or you know, you can hear reference points in it. Yeah. But but it's something new. Yeah. Because the, the technology has changed on these on all the, the new instruments. So you, you you have different sounds than what you could do back then. Um but you're still very guitar focused. You're still rhythm focused, which is cool. And then you, you can hear that you have that interaction that makes that, you know, the, the reason why people want to see a band rather than a DJ or, or you know, somebody doing, you know, just running a CDJ yeah. is that interaction between the players. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. That's I think. Yeah. Do you find that, that, that you still, are you finding, you know, before coronavirus, were there a lot of places to play that still wanted to see full bands? Or were you running into places where you had to play with DJs and hip-hop artists that aren't set up that way? Yeah, actually, uh, it's like this, because we only, at the moment, we only have like seven songs. So uh, we didn't play any concerts so far. And uh, yeah, we're discussing it at the moment. So... Corona, of course, uh, put on uh, the edge on everything because no one is playing now. I mean, you can, you can stream concerts and stuff like that. A lot of bands yeah, do yeah. that. But, yeah. but uh, we don't have any plan, such plans so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you're primarily working on the album and doing maybe uh, social media? Yeah, th that's correct. Because we will uh, hopefully get our album out in the early 2021 or so. Yeah, that's what I've been talking to a lot of bands. Like in the U.S., like bands, well, I think it's the same way in the whole world. Most bands, because the way we get paid as musicians, touring is like the primary thing we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's how we get the big payday. And that's really interesting because, like, you know, a Motown act, that's how they used to have to operate. They, they didn't really make any money from the records. They had to tour, you know, yeah. to make any Which You know, now everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, so now in this kind of Corona era, like everybody's kind of doubling down on recording. Like most of the bands I've talked to are working on projects yeah. or they're collaborating or they're doing, you know, all kinds of interesting things with sync licensing or other ways to get money. But, but yeah, it just seems to be doubling down on being creative. Um, so do you find that that's what, what you're spending most of your time on is just the creative process? Yes, that, that's uh, correct. At the moment it is like that. And then, then, of course, because our singer and one of our guitarists, he's a professional, he has a studio in mm -hmm. uh, outside Malmö, so he's recording other artists, some quite big artists as well. So he has, That's he, good to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so, so we are actually very lucky. So he's doing a lot of hard work on our uh, songs. That's why, because we really like the sound. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, we can really thank him for that and the mastering and everything, because I can't do that at all. So we are lucky. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's like its its own skill. Like when you ever you deal with like producers, you know, I was like I said, I was watching this thing with a um, like Lanois and Eno, and I was watching a documentary with like George Martin, and the, and the kind of the the whole realm of recording engineers and producers is really interesting because there's one statement from George Martin that was really I I was listening to or watching it. He said, you know, I could have recorded the Beatles like the way they were playing in Berlin. But I chose to look at him like the way Monet looked at a painting. I wanted to bring, I didn't want to just record them like they were a live act. I wanted to interpret their sound and, and, and kind of color it like a sound painting. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting because that's really what the album is. It's like a sound painting because it doesn't necessarily sound the way you sound live. It's a piece of art 
yeah and, and how you interpret it and that recording engineering and production work is really like you know like the fifth beetle like your producer is like you know yeah is a member of the band you know so, yeah that that's that's true and it's but that process is very interesting to see from the idea you have on the song and to the to the finished product it's really cool and and uh and he's very skilled i mean very small details that can really edge up a song he really sees that and just put it in the song small things that just make it sound like a totally different song but much better yeah so all the production techniques i mean i'm a big music like history historian you know in terms of watching you know or or reading documentaries from like pink floyds and guests and all these great great bands even hendrix and just watching you know i would watch one time this this documentary with peter gabriel and he was talking about the construction of so and he was saying he had all these shadow vocals that he was putting down and and he didn't necessarily you know know how, how what was going to happen his producer was kind of showing him like if you put these shadow vocals in what, what happens that to the full mix after you listen to the whole thing it's kind of like a phil Spector thing it's kind of wall of sound and you're able to do things in the studio with like moving things around and all the, you know, all the different effects processing that you can do and moving clips and cutting up rhythm lines. There was one example where they took a drum track. They had like 99 takes and then they just swapped them in kind of a haphazard order just to see what would happen. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's all kinds of studio the techniques that you can do that can just like really widen the sound. Which yeah. Is, that, and that, that and that's amazing. I don't know how we do it, but it just happens, and then you have a great song. So, so do you guys like just let him kind of do the magic, or do you have input on uh, how he does it, or do you kind of trust him to, no, to take your vision? I, I would say uh, when it comes to production and mastering, I mean, I would say uh, the other guitarist. Uh, is uh, very involved as well because he he, uh, he makes uh, music for uh, movies and stuff like that for commercials. Okay, so, so, so he, yeah, so, he has a so, they, so they cooperate. But in the end, uh, uh, it's the singer who uh, put the last hand on it, and and even the drummer has uh, some ears for some of the sounds. Mm -hmm. But I would say I'm the least uh, skilled mm -hmm. when it comes to to the studio. I can play the bass. I have ideas for songs mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but so it's a it's a it's a cooperative work, but in the end, it's a singer. I would say that's really interesting. It's the, 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 because the way the DAW is today with the digital audio workstations and production, and I guess you, your your guy has a full studio. But it's interesting. I was watching like Pink Floyd, you know, like the most one of the biggest progressive bands like ever, right? And they were all talking about like on the Dark Side of the Moon how everybody was on the board, like everybody was on the board. With, uh, with their hand on a knob yeah. to, to kind of push certain things up or down in the mix. And they said it was kind of like that was in itself an artistic, uh, you know, endeavor. They, they would put the stuff down with their instruments, but then they get on the board and then they'd be playing with the different levels and mixes and how, how it would actually come out. Yeah. Do you, do you guys, like, I guess your guitar player is heavily involved with, with the, your other producer. Um, do you ever get to that point where you feel like I, I you want to like mix your bass? <laughs> I, to be honest, I when it comes to the to the far end in in the production and mastering, sometimes I don't even hear the difference between different uh, types of uh, sound and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But but uh, I, I would say I'm very pleased with the sound of the bass guitar, and and uh, okay. so so it's not like they make it sound very because yeah. they really are eager to make the song yeah, sound yeah. good in every sense. So. So actually, I, I, I trust in those uh, guys fully when it comes to the produ production stage. Yeah, that's interesting because I was I, sometimes bass players like are uh, in the mix. You know, depends on the type of music. I think with the type of music you're doing, like being able to hear the bass is part of like the whole ambiance of the music. Um, but in certain types of genres, sometimes the bass gets kind of like pushed way down, and you can't really hear it as much as the guitars, like in certain types of heavy metal. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's, and I think that's part of the cool thing about the genre you're in is you do want to hear it. You want to hear that rhythm section. So you're going to kind of bring it out in a way that maybe other genres don't bring it out as much. 
because there's more stuff going on. Yeah. So if I don't hear the bass guitar, I would tell him. And and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's not like you got to listen to a Metallica album before the Black album. You can't hear the bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So so you haven't been play, play, doing shows yet. Um, and maybe before Corona, you were gonna do them, but then the Corona happened. So, so are you guys planning out for 2021, or just really focusing on the album? We focus on the album, and and uh, maybe we will have a. I mean, we have a question from Chicago to play in Chicago next year, but I don't know if it's it's going to happen yeah. or not. Uh, but yeah, we're having a hard time in the U.S. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's really tough in the U.S. and. And to be honest, we don't know where, where this is going to end and when it's going to end and, and, and how. Yeah, so. we're, 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 yeah, we're hoping with the next election we can get things under control. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Because <laughs> it's kind of like, like we could have been in a better place. As musicians, we're kind of very disappointed because there's certain things that could have been done. And we, like all of us in the U.S., we, we can't do anything, but, you know, we can't even go around at all. And we're like, you know, it's things that could have been done. And that's a whole nother thing. But. But we're like, you know, that's got to get fixed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. So it's but t- um, yeah, <laughs> it's tough times. Yeah. So when you get into um, like collaborating, I mean, you're in a band, so you collaborate. Uh, a lot of times, I talk to singer songwriters, but you're in a band, so you're collaborating with a, you know all the members of your band. But you guys yeah. work. I know you're your producer. He works with other people. But do you actually work with other bands in this time because you can't tour? Are you working on other projects and doing collabs with anybody? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Actually, the drummer he plays uh, sometimes with uh, a few other guys, uh, and, and and I, I do the same. But but I would say that uh, the band we are focusing on is Exoplasma. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's just like the thing I told you about. Uh, the the Joy Division thing when I played when yeah. I was uh, sixteen or seventeen. So we're gonna play it and record it again maybe. But that's just for fun. I mean, extra yeah, yeah. for fun too. I was really I really have to emphasize that it's it's for fun because we love music and we love create music and play together and and things happen when we meet. So, but I think uh, all of us are focused on on Exoplasma when it comes to the band, but. We also want to collaborate with other uh, musicians, and we have some uh, pianists we have some contact with on on Instagram. We like to play with, and uh, maybe uh, there's a singer, quite famous singer. She played with uh, a guy called Pagiesle. He was a singer of a band called Roxette uh, that might sing on uh, our next album, one song or so. Yeah, so so we collaborate because that's why you want to be a musician. You want to meet other musicians and do things together. And we have some questions from quite a few bands that want to collaborate with us. So on the next That's album, cool. we will collaborate uh, with a few uh, musicians for oh, sure. So, you're gonna have, so this new album is going to have features. Like, like in the hip-hop world, it's very popular to have other hip-hop artists feature on records. You know, in, um, in the rock area, it wasn't so much that, that happened as much. You know, you do have like Tom Petty and uh, Stephen X, you know, from time to time you do see that kind of collaboration. But, but you know, traditional kind of rock music, you really didn't see that as much. It was like full bands, like Zeppelin and, you know, the Who, they, that was just their, their, their unit. They didn't really cross into other people coming on the records. But do you see kind of the way the other genres are now? Is it more likely that within this type of music, you would have more guest um, people on your records? Uh, actually, we don't know yet because we are talking about it now. But but as far as we see it, we can also have musicians that play other types of music because it can uh, make it sound different. And so actually, it's it's. Uh, I think we have to do uh, some try and error and and ask uh, yeah. people if they want to play, and then we see how it sounds because. A producer, he is really eager to make it sound really, really good. So if it doesn't sound good, we will not do it. So, but but we want to to co- collaborate with others for sure. Yes. Yeah, because you get a band like the Gorillas, like Damon Albarn. He his whole that whole project is a lot of collaboration. Yeah, kind of the whole nature of it. So that is like an example of that type of thing. But you probably wouldn't go like as far as the way through Gorillas. Pretty much is a pretty much a, a lot of different musicians on 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 his records. 
Uh, so it's kind of like from album to album, it shifts. Yeah. So you guys would want to have a more cohesive sound to your band. Yeah, probably. But but I mean, this is our first real album. We, we made an EP uh, mini album, the, the yeah. first one. So so we don't know what happens in the future. But but to collaborate with other musicians is really interesting because they can teach you a lot of things and and the other way around. And, and uh, to meet new people is part of it. It's part of the deal. Yeah, well, that's the whole reason why I do this podcasting as a musician. And it gets me in those in this kind of time. I get to talk to musicians all over the world all week long. I'm talking to people all over the world. Yeah, and and I talk to multiple genres. And so it's really cool. And I, you know, I, and sometimes I end up being able to collab with some of the people we talk to. So it's been a really good effort uh, to be able to get into this podcasting because I've been able to have outreach to so many different types of musicians. Yeah, and it's um, it's been really cool. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Yeah. I think that's like the whole point, like why you get into it. You know, a lot of people, when I started, I'm in my fifties, you know, and I was, you know, in garage bands and basement bands when I was 17 and everybody I started with kind of stopped and got married and went on and was like, well, music isn't something we can do, but I, I kept, I stayed serious in it and I kept doing it. And, and it's just interesting people, if you're a musician, you really love being a musician. You don't really care. It's like, what if you can get to play a gig, you get paid or not. You get to play with somebody like you just do it because you love it, and then seem then things seem to happen. Like you you do the work because you love it, and it's not really work; it's art. And and then things seem to happen if you if you if you're true to it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And and the good thing about music is you can play it until you die. I mean, if you play yeah. if you play soccer or football or something, after thirty or forty, you're done. Yeah, you're but, done. But music, I mean, come on, look at Rolling Stones. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, like I've always been into jazz. Like, I love bands like Sun Ra and Coltrane. And, you know, I love the blues. I love blues guys, you know, like Lead Belly and uh, Robert Johnson. And you think about the whole idea. It's like, with, with don't, within blues and, 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 and jazz, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Sun Ra played until, he, you know, until it was over. Um, yeah. And, and it was David, I mean, all, all, all the blues guys, they play till it's done, you know. It doesn't yeah. really matter. It's not about trying to be like a pop star you, you're just you're an artist and you, just, you go to new orleans you see all the black artists there then nobody ever stops oh. until they're done until they're done <laughs> actually i was about to go to new orleans in may this year but due to corona we couldn't make it so but i love yeah. i love to go there i've never been there because the food and the music oh yeah oh yeah that scene it's like you know just like if you go to the delta blues area you know in mississippi you go to you go to you know to go to Austin. There's certain scenes, you know, like even Nashville's got a scene. There's so many scenes in America. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm in the Northeast. I like that CBGB kind of New York scene, like where yeah. the Talking Heads came out of. Um, that that's that's kind of my scene. Where I like going to the like clubs all over New York. You know, they have maybe 400 seat clubs, and you play, and it's cool because all the music bloggers are there. All the people would like like new music the thing about new york you can go to new york and play in these clubs and they don't care if you're not playing hits they just want to hear new music yeah true. so you get to, you get to come with all kinds of new bands and, and work with people and there's a really cool interaction between the bloggers and all the indie bands and then you end up meeting people you can work on other people's projects just because everybody's in that scene you know yeah that's, that's why that's, you do that's it. cool <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> Uh, so it's yeah, it's just really cool that you guys, you know, looking at your history and like you guys were in that era that I really, you know, I grew up in that era. You know, I'm a child of the '70s, became a child of the '80s. You know, listening to all that stuff, and then you guys are still doing it. So that's that's really, that's how how did you guys find that you didn't drop off? You know, in terms of being musicians, there's so many people from that time period maybe that didn't continue to do the work. Or, or did, but, you know, how did you guys continue? I mean, I would say, to make it easy, I mean, our singer, he, he started to produce other bands. So now he's a professional uh, producer. So that's, uh, he's, I mean, he played in a few bands after, but he, he uh, focused on producing bands. And uh, the other guitarist, the lead guitarist, um, he started making uh, uh, music to, to uh, commercials and stuff like that. Oh, he did sync, sync licensing and stuff like that. Yeah, 
And me and the drummer, I mean, actually, I st stopped playing for a few years and, and uh, we just split up. But then I started playing some cover bands and I thought it's quite boring. I want to make my own music and, and yeah. sitting at home playing bass guitar and making your own song is very boring. So after a while, now a couple of years ago, I just contacted the band and asked them because actually we were five in the beginning, but one didn't want to join us. And I just uh, took them home for dinner and we talked and we had a lot of fun and talked about the old days. And we say, why don't we play again? And first we started to play old plasma songs. But that was quite boring because we want to make new music. And then we said XO means out of plasma. So exoplasma was a good yes. name. And we just started uh, <laughs> to uh, do our own songs. And everybody just loved it. And there we go. So that's the... That, that, that's a cool... Yeah, I was wondering what the, what the, how the name worked with the old band. And that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So it's out so, of plasma. Plasma was five guys. Uh, yeah. and we but now we, it's only four so we, so we thought we had to change the name so it's no discussion yeah. about that yeah but yeah you had some really good feedback you know reading the write-up on on the, on the band and then i was listening to the music and it's really it's song oriented you know in in a world sometimes that's kind of clip and groove oriented you know because of the influence of hip-hop and djs and edm it's cool to hear like a band that's more song oriented yeah, you know, that, it that's is. Kind of like, yeah, because I grew up, you know, with the album-oriented, you know, kid. I mean, I, I used to get vinyl. You know, I would go, you know, listen to Led Zeppelin four, and you know, listen to I Wish You Were Here, or you know, or, Car or Carol King. You know, I would go and get the whole record. But in today's market, it's kind of like single-oriented. So I see that you have an EP and you have a bunch of singles. So do you guys see that? Um, like when you first came out, you kind of were single focused or were you always going to go toward it like EP and album? Uh, actually, we didn't have a strategy on that, I would say. I mean, now we are focusing on an album with like four or five new songs and maybe a couple of the singles on the album. But because we also uh, on we, we grew up with albums as well. But I think if you really want to, uh, I, I think a lot of bands today are single oriented. They, they put out a lot of singles, but for us, we want to do an album with a few singles. So, so that's uh, the idea at the moment, but we don't really have a strategy that we only make singles or full albums. Mm -hmm. or, I mean, we just have fun and now we realize that uh, an album would be fine now because we have a few singles we can put on the album and four or five new songs or so. So, so I would say no strategy, no, no clear strategy. Yeah. But when it comes to like an album, since you kind of yeah, were in the period, you know, during that time when everything was kind of album focused, when you create an album, is it that every song has kind of like a theme? Because albums are kind of constructed, at least the traditional sense, is even going back to Sgt. Pepper wasn't really a concept album, but it, it felt like a cohesive piece because everything kind of flowed. Yeah. So when you build an album, are you guys thinking that you want that kind of Sgt. Pepper-like flow? where maybe it's not a concept, but it flows? Yeah, actually, we say a small concept because the name of the album will be uh, Letters from the Future. So, uh, I mean, if, if one of the songs, Time of Our Lives, is, is, is about us playing in the 80s with all the dreams and everything, and then we split up. And so the lyrics on that uh, specific song, it's like you should have a Letters from the Future that t t tells you what will happen in the future and how you can react when you're young and, and sometimes stupid and so on. So, so there is a theme and that's letters from the future. So most of the songs will have that kind of theme around them. And, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. That's what I like about albums. To me, it's like, it's like listening to a novel. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and if you listen to our lyrics, I, I would say our lyrics are, is actually one of the best things about our songs. I mean, it's the singer. He, he makes most of the lyrics. And, and the last song is about uh, being stuck mentally or being stuck by lockdown in Corona and so on. It can be, it had a lot of meanings, but the lyrics are really great, I would say. So we're very proud yeah, of the lyrics. That, that song is really good. I was really vibing to it before we came on. Um, I, I like the feel of it. I like the melody. I like the lyrics. And, you know, today it's hard, you know, there's a lot of songs that aren't really in the traditional sense, like way, the way Stuck is. You know, Stuck is kind of, 
a song that I like singer songwriters, you know, I, you know, I go listen to, you know, guys like, you know, Dylan <laughs> and Springsteen yeah. and, you know, and people who have like deep construction, a song craft. And that's kind of where I came from because that's what I was always looking for. Um, but yeah, it just seems like that's somewhat, it seems to be coming back. Like more and more bands I, I talk to are talking about singer songwriters are talking about more song structure oriented music rather yeah. than kind of this clip. Not that, you know, I, I know the young people like the clip kind of oriented music and the beat centered music because it's, a, it's their, it's their kind of age with it. That's what they like. Um, and I'm not opposed to any form. I, t- I, I, I talk to everybody. I mean, I talk to DJs, I talk to EDM, I talk to hip hop, but I do like listening to jazz and progressive music and funk music, which tends to be a little bit more, have more structure, but. Yeah. So, so the lyrics for us is quite important as well, I would say. Yeah. And that's where the album kind of comes in, in the play is it's, it's a structured like story. It's like a short story or it's like an yeah. audio novel. Yeah. And, and that's what I like about that compared to this, like the, the playlist oriented world, is kind of what we have to live in. You know, you want to get your, if you're an electronic musician, you want to get your song on a Spotify electronic music playlist. You know, that's yeah. hitting so many people. That's what you want to do. But, 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 you know, albums is a different thing. You know, it's, it, it, you know, getting that vinyl into the hands of somebody or a CD with a cover and the liner notes. Yeah. So when you guys put something together, are you thinking of doing physical so that people have like vinyl or CD? And a lyric sheet or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's not impossible because for us the, the 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 cover and everything is important. I mean, every cover we do, there's a thought behind it. Uh, so and and the lyrics are important part of our music. So we didn't come so far to have that kind of discussion. But I would say it's not impossible because um, it's it's important to have the lyrics, to have the feeling, to have a good uh, uh, cover and everything. It it has to be a uh, you, you should consider it as one album. It, it, it goes together. Yeah, that's the whole art. Yeah, that's the thing about I love about you know this, being a child of the seventies. You know, I pick up a record, and you'd you'd have like these Led Zeppelin up like records that had little cutouts or spinning yeah. wheels, and then you open up and you pull the liner notes out, and it was a whole experience. Where I think it's like that tactile experience of picking up the record, pulling it out of the sleeve reading the liner notes, you know, being able to yeah. listen to the whole, whole thing on vinyl, could it force you to kind of listen to the whole record? Because you weren't going to skip around, you just like put it on to hear it. Yeah, I agree. So, so we want to deliver a full concept. So you have a feeling for the music, the lyrics, the cover, the concept and, and so on. So yeah, I would say we focus more on that. But how we will do it, we don't know. So yeah, yeah. Is, is vinyl big where you are? Or, or is it more people do download or where do you even do a CD? Um, how would you think that you would do it physically if you were going to do one? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, actually, we talked about doing a CD and so on. and, and uh, but, but I don't know if we will because very few people buy CDs these days. I mean, most people, they stream it. And, but but yeah. maybe we'll do a few copies that we can... Uh, uh, with the lyrics and everything, with the concept, yeah. as you said. So, yeah. Vinyl seems to be big in the U.S. Like, when I go to New York, if I run a small batch of vinyl, yeah, I can sell the whole thing out. If I run, like, you know, less than a thousand, I can sell it out. Because people, they, if you show up at a club and you bring, like, your merch, your T-shirt, and you bring, like, a vinyl, people will buy it. And they'll actually buy it, you know, for, like, $30 or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's, we're a CD, you can't give it away. But if you bring a vinyl, suddenly you can charge like twenty five dollars for a vinyl, and then sign it, and then people are more willing to buy it. Yeah. And so it's interesting that, like, at a micro level, you can do it as a band if you kind of go off and do it. At least in the U.S., we've been able to do it. Um, so I just wondering, in your market, are people into that or they? Yeah, I, I actually, I think. I mean, if you look at the album. The, the, the long play album, a lot of people buy those these days. I mean, we start from a very low level, but we sell more albums in Sweden today than CDs, for, for example. So I have a lot of friends listening to albums or reading the lyrics and so on, because that's totally a different feeling than putting on Spotify.
Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people, like, they use Spotify when they're driving on their commute or they're doing a workout. Yeah. But when they when they have the favorite band, they, yeah, they might have a nice, you know, vinyl hi-fi system with a tube amplifier or something. And, like, oh, they're going to sit down. They're going to listen to Sun Ra or they're going to listen to, you know, Brew Back or they're going to – they suddenly, like, it's an experience. Yeah, it yeah. It seems yeah. like the, the music fan seems to be very discriminating on what they'll do with the different tools you know they'll use like the spotify for one thing and they'll use the vinyl for another thing and i'm like okay well then maybe we can kind of cater to that market <laughs> yeah yeah that's true so it, 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 I, I would say it's different yeah so 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 it, it's interesting you know the way things are are working out as a musician are you guys feeling that you're going to do more online like when the album's done are you thinking that you might do like online performances or work with like online bookers if, if things stay the way they are now or just like st- still wait until you actually can do it live? I think uh, online could be a, a solution because we don't know how long it will take before Corona is ending. And, and then we don't know how, how and when we will play out. And, and we have discussion about that as well. But I think... Uh, Playing online is better than nothing. Yeah, because I've seen some bands, you know, they've, they've got the ability, but they, you know, they'll, they'll play from their, their home studio or they'll play from some studio or they'll play outside somewhere and then they'll film it, you know, and they're on Twitch or they're on YouTube or Facebook Live or they've actually got, like, a record label running a live stream for them that's actually selling tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, actually, yeah. I actually, yeah, I actually got... You know, with this 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 publicist or like a booking agency that has the ability to do like you know five dollar online tickets, and they they starting to set those up, and it seems like you know some people because they're locked down and they can't go out are starting to think, well, yeah, I, I would want to see my band that way, so they're willing to do it. Um, so, do you think that 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 actually would work? Yeah, and actually, in in my town where I live in Malmo, they do. We have a nice uh, concert place called uh, Kaobe. B. and they uh, they have a lot of concerts online and and they get a lot of money i, I think you have to pay like ten dollar or more you can choose at least ten dollar for for a, a concert and and they have a lot of audience because now people can come and listen from other parts of the world and other parts of sweden they don't have to come to malmo so i think uh, a lot of people listen to it yeah i think that's a good strategy because you know that that and you know like a merch strategy and it's weird to like this cool thing about Spotify is all the question that I ask people about like the social media today is really awesome. The fact that we're actually talking is because of this kind of social media capability. Yeah. But the, the other side of it is, you know, you used to get signed by a label, get in advance, you know, you'd know how much money the vinyl or the CDs was going to make or the tapes are going to make. And now when you see these streams, it's like it's percentages of a penny yeah, <laughs> for, yeah. For, for, for every play. So, Musicians tend to have to, you know, they sell their T-shirt and make more money selling the T-shirt or, or selling their physical merch than they do on the records. So, so what do you think about about um, efforts to try to get musicians to get get music actually monetized to a fair rate? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if musicians want to earn money, we ha- you have to be uh, creative really creative i mean one band in sweden for example when they uh, made an album they they sold it in a paper a music paper and and they sold a lot of records and and i think that uh, merchandise and stuff like that uh, is is together with concerts is the way Mm -hmm. to earn money because records today you earn no money and and the money you got from spotify or or itunes or apple music it's nothing yeah it's like less than radio play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's just like, yeah. it's yeah, like just a way of spreading your music, I would say. Yeah, it's just like, it's kind of like indie college radio. Or like, you know, indie college radio and MTV, they put the video out and they would sell your record. You know, yeah, or get true. you the buzz so that you, somebody would go and get the product. It yeah. seems like the, that, that, you know, the, that, that, that Spotify and Apple are the way for people in the world to find out about you. And then you close the deal when you do a show or you close the deal when you sell some merch, and that's how you actually convert. Your, yeah, your true. 
yeah. but but it's, yeah, it's just interesting that we have to get into the business a little bit, it, you know, to to get the music out there. There's some level of like marketing or some level of like business activity that artists have to get into uh, to to try to do something to connect with these kids. They're more likely to buy a sixty dollar Xbox game than pay for a ten dollar yeah. TV, you know. Um, yeah, that's it. But 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 uh, and and also there was an artist in U.S. She was recording an album, and after half of the album was finished, the the record company said we have no more money, so you have to pay for it yourself. And she put uh, a note on on our uh, Facebook and said, if if my fans want to buy my record, uh, yeah. they will have a personal note. And she sold a lot of records. I don't know her name, but. People yeah, don't yeah. want to buy a CD for ten or twenty dollars, but she sold it for hundred dollar, and they they easily buy it for hundred dollar because it's personal. It's for you. Yeah. So that, yeah, that that's another did, way yeah. of earning money. So I think musicians have to be very sure. Yeah, if you go on your social media and you have like a fan club connection, like like the old, yeah. old days, people used to send fan club letters to band. You know, bands would send a fan club out. Right, and yeah. maybe they would send a cassette tape to their fan club members, or they send them a poster or whatever. If you do that kind of connection, and you send you send your fans a USB drive of some like demos or something, yeah, and, and they, or you give them a special T-shirt, you give them a one-off cassette, or you give them a one-off this and that. So I think that's when you start. Then you realize that you can actually get your fans engaged, and they will buy buy things. They will support you. You know, yeah, through your, through your Patreon or whatever you're doing, you know, you'll find it. You, you can get fans to actually fund your vinyl. Yeah, you but know? but but it will be in a different way than it was before, and that's good and bad, of course. But but big record companies uh, are not involved in the same way. I mean, if you are a, a musician with uh, no no contact to the record company, you can still do your music, which was impossible before. Yeah, yeah. There was a gate like you couldn't get out there and get your stuff into the music store without having the A and R guys, without having the you know the publicists and the booking agents. You had to get through that gate. Yeah, you know, if, if you couldn't get through that gate, you weren't going to get there. And if you didn't, you know, actually, you know, make back the advance after like your second or third album, you're dropped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. And that's that's actually why we stopped playing because uh, we had to like. The manager of Europe, he was uh, connected to us a little as well, but he, he wanted to. After a while, he just focused on Europe, and I think maybe that was wise because they they were a very good band. But so we we lost energy in some way. But today, you can still continue, and that, that's the good yeah. thing about it. I, I would say. Yeah, I think the great thing is you know, like I've been kicking around, you know, since since like like the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I've actually started to get some traction on my podcast, and I still do my music, and I, you know, I get distribution. I get distribution deals with low indie labels from time to time. I get some of my music to go come out yeah. to like smaller indie labels, but then I I can continue to just do stuff through SoundCloud. Like I'm a SoundCloud guy, and I got repost, and I get my stuff pushed out that way. Yeah. Uh, then I'll have certain relationships with a record company for like an EP. Or like you know a small album I'll put out, and and then I don't have to stop. You know nobody tells me I can't put something out. I can just kind of do whatever I want. Yeah, and, and that's a new way of uh, of dealing with music. And and for all those talented musicians, I think it's good actually. Yeah, because if you still have something to say, then you can keep on getting out there, and you can still you know. I, you get out. I, I go to New York and I go to Boston when when it was open. Yeah. And I play, I play small clubs with these like electronic music collectives. They're willing to to want to hear new music, and that's luckily I'm close enough to New York that I can get there. And you know, you pretty much can play New York pretty much. You know, you you, you can get to New York if you're in the Northeast and you're a musician. You can usually find a way to play there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, so that's a cool scene. So your scene, like the scene that you have in, in your country, is there? Is, what what city is like the is the big kind of equivalent to like a New York or or a Los Angeles scene? I mean, I mean, uh, actually, the city I live in, Malmo, in the in the south, is a is a music city. 
there's a lot of bands from here. There's a lot of bands that live here. Like I don't know if you know the cardigans or and the sounds and yeah, yeah, I know the yeah. yeah. They live here and and the band called the Ark. They're not that famous outside Sweden, I think. So a lot of uh, musicians collect here, but capital they have a lot of uh, good bands as well but, but i would say we have quite good scene here in in the uh, south of sweden actually and we, we are close by to denmark to copenhagen to oh, germany so berlin and yeah. hamburg yeah. it's i mean berlin is like 300 kilometers from here and the boat as well so it's yeah, not so that far berlin, so berlin that's still a big draw for what you're the type of music you're doing or that scene changed or they they're more accepting of all music. It was kind of like a big kind of like during the like the Bowie Brian Eno phase. Yeah, you know, too. Has yeah, yeah. You, there was a, this whole idea that it is very electronic centered. Is it is it still like electronic, electronica centered, or is it more like gone into like hip hop and DJ and electronic? Like I, I would say a mixture of those two. I mean, Berlin has always been a city for for the youth, for many reasons. So. So the music scene and the uh, and the uh, cultural scene in Berlin is amazing. It's it's yeah. one of the best, I would say, in Europe, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to go there because I think you know the type of music I'm into. I think is very experimental, and um, I've always been drawn, you know, from craft work to Eno and all the other work I've seen come out of yeah. Berlin. Is is always been a draw. That I think that scene that would be cool. To, to play with. I mean, I see there's a lot of kids doing the modular stuff out there. Um, you know, when I'm a big you, you will love Berlin, and, and it's expensive to be Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. can eat I, and live quite fairly for good prices. It's not like Scandinavia. So I, I love Berlin. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm into going to Scandinavia as well because I, I think it would be cool. Like, I, I think the, the interesting thing is, like, in the, in the US, like the scene for the type of music I do is kind of, you know, it's limited to certain areas. Like you can go to LA, you can go to, you go to New York, you can do stuff in Boston. But like, if you get out to middle America, it's like it's harder to, 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 to get any kind of traction with like anything that's kind of experimental. Yeah. It, it seems like if you go to Europe, you go to like, you know, I was in Tokyo for a little while and I mean, the Tokyo scene is unbelievable. I mean, like in Shibuya, in in Ginza and that whole area, there's so much cool stuff going on. Yeah, um, so I was always drawn into that. Yeah, so Tokyo is crazy. I love it. Yeah, you have, you've been. You've been I, I've been in, in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I think that scene is so cool. I would think Seoul is probably the same thing, but I never went there. But I would assume it'd be similar. Um, yeah, but Tokyo, I know it, it was it was this crazy. I was there in 2004 to 2006, and uh, that scene is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to when they get the. But we can't, as U.S. guys, we can't even travel. They won't let us go anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, we're like bad, bad news. We got the bad juju, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But hopefully it will change soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, don't, we, we got the, everybody saying, oh, no, you guys can't come. <laughs> yeah, true. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to when, you know, we can have bands like Exoplasm come, come to, like, New York. You know, would you guys think of coming to like LA or New York if, you, if things opened up would you come to the US and play yeah I mean uh, why not I mean I have to talk to the guys first of course but if you ask me I would come easily yes definitely yeah yeah so we, would you think that Los Angeles would be like where you would go first or would you think New York City would be where you would go I, I don't I don't really know which place would be best for our music I think you know that better than me actually yeah, I think New York would probably have a better... I mean, the Viper Room and, you know, the Whiskey of Go-Go, I think you could play those. Yeah. I think you could play, like, a CBGB's a play type of thing. Yeah, uh, you know, those type of clubs would be into what you're doing. Um, yeah. I, I, You know, in Austin, City Limits, you know, you could probably play in Austin. Austin's a big scene. Yeah. It, that scene. That, New Orleans is cool, too, but I don't know if you're... you're I know there's all types of music in New Orleans that you probably could fit in um, anywhere there. But Nashville has a pretty big scene too. Um, yeah. Now that Jack, Jack White's got a bunch of stuff going on, and there's a lot of different. It's not just country; it's like everything. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think we. I, I'm open to anything in the states, actually. But but uh, we'll see after Corona and, and after I talk to the guys. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to see your band because I like what you're doing. I like the song. I'm looking forward to your album. When your album comes out, uh, we we would love to have you come on and do a full like uh, album you know review or or discussion like promotional show to push that album. So when you're ready to do that, then you let me know. We can actually have multiple people on a call, so oh. th- th- we this link can be. On, people don't have to be in the same room. They can be like up to four people can be on a call. Okay. So if you, yeah. So if you when you guys are ready with your album, you can maybe have the whole band come on. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the program. This is going to go out on eleven podcast platforms. We are part of Spotify. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're going to have integration on Instagram where the. Spotify version of the podcast will be a hyperlink on a highlight that you, we will promote on our channel, and you'll be able to do that as well as a story. And people are able to click on it, go right to the Spotify version of this within an hour. Uh, and it'll be also on Apple and Google, and Radio Public, Overcast, the 11 platforms that we're on. Oh, that's so, great. That's great. So thank you very much for being on the program. We look forward uh, to all your new work. And we tell everybody, go out to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your music and listen listen to this band. You know, it's it, Exoplasma. You need to check it out. Oh, that's great. And thank you for taking your time as well. It was nice thank talking you very to much. you. Yeah, great. Have a great okay. day. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye.